What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner and thank you for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Go to baseballcloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. In this episode, I speak with Virginia Commonwealth head baseball coach, Sean Stifler. I didn't know much about Coach Stifler before we got the opportunity to chat, and I was completely blown away by his attention to detail, the culture he's built, and what he is doing to make his players better on and off the field. He truly is all in on player development. You're going to love this episode with Sean Stifler. Coach Stifler, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. I just uh, first want to say uh, thank you to the Virginia coaches for having us and listening to us this morning. And you guys make sure you enjoy your breakfast. And uh, the bacon's awesome. It smells good, right? Oh, man. It <laughs> smells fantastic. But uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, VCU. And so I was doing some research about you guys before I came up here. And I, I kind of know you, but I wanted to get to know you a little bit better. And something that consistently stood out whenever I was listening and seeing what you guys were putting out, and that's energy. And the, the word blue collar kept coming up consistently, like all like several different videos that I was watching. Is that something that you guys intentionally try and instill in your players? I don't know if you, if you can use the word intentional. I think you, you, you start to set your standards, you start, to, you start to set your culture, and your team starts to gravitate towards an identity one way or another. I think some of it has to do with uh, the region that we're in. You know, Richmond is a blue-collar, hard-working town. Um, VCU is a blue-collar school. Uh, most of our most of our athletic teams are blue. You know, they're they're kind of centered around the blue-collar mentality. We're not. Uh, I don't think we're a school. When you think of the schools in Virginia, I don't know if VCU comes up first. So I don't know if we're always picking first when it comes to the recruiting end of things. So taking on a little bit of that that, that blue-collar mentality, I think. Our guys just kind of gravitate to, towards that, and I think it becomes very natural. I don't want to take credit necessarily for installing that in our players, but it's certainly something that you, you're you proud of when you hear people speak that way Definitely. about your program. Sure. Now, uh, you are uh, speaking after me, and I'm so thankful that I don't have to speak after you. <laughs> and so, if you don't mind, just give us a little preview of what you're going to be talking about here pretty soon. Yeah, well, uh, the topic of my speech is, is going to be called Find Your Different, and and I'm just going to try to highlight some things in our program that maybe we have done over the last couple of years that we, I don't want to call them separators, but maybe we think that are, are a little bit different. It's not, not that we're doing them differently, but I want, I want people to be able to, to look at things and realize that in everybody's program, regardless of if it's in youth baseball, regardless of high school, college, professional, there are certain outliers, numbers, statistics, analytics, um, culture um, points that that can that can stand you out and can make you different and can and can make you even with your competition and I think one thing at VCU we've done a, a, a decent job of is we've tried to keep our focus on the things that we feel like lead to getting our players better mm-hmm. and leading us to win and I'm going to try to try to focus on that and try to reach the broad specter because we are we're the it's the Virginia coaches baseball coaches association not the Virginia college baseball but Virginia professional and so. You have youth coaches here, high school coaches, and 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 college coaches here. So we try to reach across, you know, every every field that's here, and, and try to try to get something for everybody. You hope, sure, you do. Definitely, and you know, just off the mic yesterday, we were talking about one of those things, and that was a swing in zone percentage. <laughs> yeah, and that was something that you that you mentioned that is really important to your program. Can you expand on that a little bit? 
I just think as as you grow and, and the technology has gotten so much better now, we're starting to understand things so much better now. Is you, of course you, you can't hit what you can't see. We, sure. We've always we've always known that, but to understand the fact that um, vision and eyesight and and being selective and and plate awareness are two different things. Mm-hmm. You know. One you need glasses for, maybe the other one can be trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think zone awareness is something that we can train, and, and just as as I, I grow as a coach, just understanding that um, to and different ways to incorporate that daily into our routines, daily into our thought process, whether it's batting practice and or in our development stage, uh, it's a non-negotiable right now. I think, and, and I heard I actually heard that line in one of your podcasts before, and I love the fact that. Forcing guys to make decisions is a non-negotiable. Um, it's something that over the last three or four years, as you know, you, you understand the value of free bases and, and and free bases and extra base hits are probably the number one way to score. Sure. So, so you you've got to get guys on base and, and figure out what pitches you can drive. And so it's become something that daily we're starting to incorporate more and more each day. And, and it's. We're hoping to measure it a little bit better each year. It's not something you can you can necessarily measure right away, but it, it's I think just forcing your guys to make decisions is, is a big deal. Definitely, and, and you know, with baseball being so hard, it's really hard to collect data in a short period of time and say, "Hey, this is working." And you know, I, I I'm at the high school level, so I don't know if you see this a lot, but we are starting to incorporate a lot of decisions in practice and having them make these decisions. And I don't think that they've thought about that a whole lot before. And do you see that a lot with your players and especially your incoming freshmen? You know, yeah, making decisions on anything, whether it's on the base paths, at the plate, <laughs> sure. um, you know, sometimes if even going to class, you know, right. you want to, that's what college is about is, mm-hmm. is we want to give them opportunities where they do have to test themselves make decisions but get them off of autopilot you know i do think there are times when the swing and the swing mechanics is first mm-hmm. and then there are times when the decision making and and the compete and the at bat need to come first as well okay. and i think you can separate those two i don't ever want to i don't i don't ever want to say that that development is secondary i don't ever want to say right. that obviously we have good players okay then we develop them the wins come but I do think you have to put them in a situation where they have to understand the scenario, understand what the expectations are, understand what this is going to feel like in a game, mm-hmm. and have to make decisions accordingly. Sure. And then there's times where you have them in the cage and you're really, really just working on some feel. Or you yeah. just want them to feel the mechanical change. And I think at times separating them, not for long periods of time, because you've got to blend them back in, but but separating them, isolating them, and, and I think young people's mindset and mentality right now is wrapped more around quick hitters. Ten minutes this drill, ten minutes that sure. drill. It's hard to keep them focused on long term. A lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, today plus tomorrow plus tomorrow plus tomorrow. You got to keep them in, in, in the moment of today. And so, um, you know, for me, I, I just think that there there is both. There's room for both. You need both. But forcing your your young men to have to make decisions and coming to those decisions on their own sometimes with ownership that. is another big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, I can I can tell them through the blue in the face, blue in the face, more plays. They have to have ownership of what that at bat or what that swing looks like. 
right? Jedi mind tricks. This was my idea in the first place, but you, you got it. You got it. So I love it. I, I really like that a lot. And, and so, you know, I, tell me if I'm wrong, but I've taken the approach this fall. Of, so we get our guys in August and we have um, basically year round for at least a baseball hour. And the further away from competition we were, the more that we focused on actual swing mechanics yep. and the closer that we've gotten to the season, we've started to scale back on, hey, we're going to overload everything. And now we're kind of in the middle. We do a little bit of swing stuff. Yep. We do a little bit of decision training. And then in season, we still will. Like you said, you, we don't want to put development on the back burner, but we still have to you know, compete and win games. I agree. Again, I think, I think there is room for everything, um, especially... But you're right. The further away we are from a contest, the less the less I want them thinking about necessarily competing versus another team. I want them thinking about competing versus themselves. To be honest with yeah. you, okay. I like that. If if we are exit velocity training, or we're trying, we're working on overload and underload. If we're working on getting a, be, a little bit better angle, you know, a little bit launch angle, if you if you will, for work, whatever we're, we're working on, change the mechanic. I want them to feel comfortable to one fail and not have to worry about the pressure of getting it done for their teammates. But two, we need to measure those things mm-hmm. so that the next day, if it swung 97 and a half off the tee today or off the front toss today or off the machine today, then tomorrow it's 97.8. That's what we're for. And I think individual competition in the offseason is really, really important. And then getting them to flip that mindset of still getting 1% better and getting a little bit better every day during the season. But – game competition and and that's where i think for me really the decision making has to be has to over oh, be over top of the swing at that point sure hey, you know you hit on something that i'm going to talk about tomorrow and well actually a couple things which is which good i'm on the right track but <laughs> with the first one it's you're talking about tracking data with the individuals and you know it's really hard to continue to do something when you when you can't necessarily see progress yeah. so our our ultimate goal is to get hits score runs and win ball games yeah. on the offensive side at least you know that's that's <laughs> underlying goal absolutely and you know when we're in the off season it's we don't do that like we can't we can't score runs we can't get hits and we're probably not hitting off of a live pitcher so i think it's really paramount to be able for them to see incremental progress to be able to just keep them motivated is that, is that something that you would agree with absolutely absolutely you, you know there from a you, you want to track you want to be able to grade you want to be able to look at because I, again i think i think every i don't want to say this generation every generation wants to know that they're getting better right my generation did and, and and so does so does this generation, um, but seeing it to this generation seems to be a little bit more more important. And what I what I suggest, what we try to do is we try to you know we we, we try to monitor everything. And, and yesterday, for instance, our guys had their max out squat days. Mm-hmm. And I think I think today's generation loves the weight room one because the science behind it is you know very obvious. But two, Definitely. you go up a pound every couple of weeks. Yeah, you know you go you see those you see those results. And our guys were so and I think that's why. They get so excited to come in. They, they, they see their hard work, and yesterday is is like that the pinnacle of what they're of what they're trying to right. do. They're busting through, but also having um, at the end. One thing we try to do is even we try to have a little bit of competition at the end. Whether it's who can get the highest, you know, if if you have a lot, if you have an exit below of ninety five off the bat, then swinging four more times above that or, or at that, you know, having some competition at the end just to keep their juices their juices flowing as well, but. I think I think step by step showing them that process and that progress this time of year 
was absolutely vital. If you can, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have track man, rap soda. You don't have to have these type of things. You mm-hmm. can very, very easily um, set up with strings and ropes, different angles in your cages. Pocket radar guns are very inexpensive right now. Just yeah. anything you can use to to measure anything or, or make something make something you know, you got to hit five out of six balls above the, above this angle or what have you. And I think any of those things at every level is is huge. Well, you're tracking what's important to you. That's absolutely correct. That's so, absolutely correct. It, you, you hit on uh, several different things that I really liked, and you know we were texting back and forth. I think either Tuesday or maybe Wednesday night. And you said, I'd love to talk with you, but I can't miss squat competition day. <laughs> and, you know, I, I absolutely, I'm all in on that. So, you you guys love the weight room. You love competition. Are there any other things that come to mind that you guys do in the in the off season just to, just to keep those juices flowing and to keep it competitive? Yeah, you know, we, um, this time of year for us is really where we get into our, to our individual development, but our team development right now is more on a culture standpoint. Okay. Okay, we're going to. We're going to put our guys in different situations once or so a week, whether it's, you know, we do an obstacle course a week ago. It's called Ram Sanity, and it's kind of like our Navy SEALs night where we set up an obstacle course at the Diamond, and and it's 30 minutes of of pain for our guys. It's amazing how much they love it just because it it has an individual champion, has a team champion, it has, you know, guys are suffering, they have to work through things, they have to persevere. We do. We, we just got done doing some personality assessments right now. And, oh, cool. and, and to be honest with you, that's more for me, maybe, you mm-hmm. know, uh, to, to continue to learn how to reach. Um, I keep getting older. They keep staying the same age, you know, and, and, and to help reach, but also to, to understand our strengths and our weaknesses um, with each other as well. You know, we've, we've had, um, in, the, in the years past, I've used a company called The Program, where we've had some military leadership come in and just, just forcing our guys to communicate when they don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. and forcing our guys to be vulnerable, um, I think it's a, it's a huge process, and not just from a baseball standpoint. You know, I'm a big believer we're developing these guys. We're developing them to send them out in the world as winners. You know, and some of these guys are going to be doctors someday. And, and today is today is the uh, second birthday of my youngest daughter. And oh, happy birthday. Ago, thank you. Two years ago today, we found out she was going to have to have open-heart surgery. Mm-hmm. And, um, and her... her Cardiologist here, actually here at UVA, was a uh, former baseball player. Okay, somebody taught that guy how to win. Yeah, somebody taught that guy how to how to show compassion, how to how to um, be able to communicate with people. And when you're you're you and your wife are, are frightened, of, uh, you know, and, and scared about your young, and he came in and the way he showed, like, I believe that stuff just developed through coaching. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's what we kind of work on a little bit more this time of year to keep my, and that's probably where I step in the most right now in our program. Great assistant coaches, and they're in the cages with the guys. They're in the bullpens with the guys right now. I think it's my job right now to continue to push the program from a leadership standpoint, maybe on some of those aspects that don't necessarily always show up on the field, but maybe off the field in the future as husbands, business owners, fathers. Sure. I, you know, I think that the, the more that, that I've been a coach, the more that I've firmly believe that exact same thing. And we had Coach O'Connor and Coach Maneri up here yeah. talking about that same thing yesterday. So, obviously, success leaves clues. But what are some different ways that you get them out of their comfort zone? You, you mentioned that you do, you guys do some, some Navy Steel obstacle yeah. course stuff. But I found that just getting them to speak well, to each other or speak in public is a big deal. 100%. We will do um, we do skits. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, they, cool. it's amazing how... It's it, it's the first time I realized that they're actually listening to me uh-huh. when they when they make fun of me. They, <laughs> I can tell they, 
But we'll do we'll do um, we'll do skits. Now we have we have four core values: RAMS, you know, responsibility, attack, mental toughness, and services. The core values of our program. Okay. And so we break them up in groups, and they have to do a skit about one of those core values. Mm-hmm. And then after they're done with that, I let them do a skit roasting any part of the program <laughs> okay. that they want to. But getting them up in front of a group where they have to explain themselves, they have to talk about themselves, just just forcing them to do that. We communication is one of the pillars of our program and and, and, and forcing young people right now to have to communicate even when it's uncomfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Even when it may be that you're 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 going up and you're holding someone accountable and you're you're asking them to do a little bit more than what you need that on good teams. Right. You need that on good teams. And so I, I agree. Anything you can do to put your team up where they have to, one, they can make fun of themselves, make fun of each other, relax a little bit, um, I think is huge this time of year. And we're just trying to pass that on. And, and the more you can ask a young man to present or be in front of the team and show some leadership and spread that leadership around because you don't know who it's going to fall on. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, many times we think that's our guy. That's our leader. He does everything right. He's the guy we want. And maybe that guy doesn't really want to be that yeah. guy. And you don't realize that there might be another guy in your locker room who's not a huge statistical um, contributor. But when he walks into the locker room, he sets the tone. And, and yeah. so pass that leadership on and then let other guys, let people participate in that. Well, and, you know, you've hit on a couple of, of things that I really like. And, you know, I, again, the more that I get into coaching, the more I, I think that communication may be the most important part of being a leader. Because I think it's the foundation of everything else. You know, you and I or myself, I could be the smartest guy in the room, but if I don't share it, if I don't communicate it in an effective way, then it doesn't matter. That's right. And so I, I really like that. But also, you know, we're trying to meet the kids where they're at. And, you know, one of, one of the takeaways that, that I've got with these, with the kids is we do a lot of group chat stuff. Yeah. You know, they're constantly on their phones. And so I'm, I'm trying to send them just a little bit, little nuggets of info every time I read it and they'll send some stuff back. And, you know, maybe I won't have a chance to get to speak with them in person every single day, but they're always on their phones, right? right. So right. we may as well meet them where they're at a little bit and we can get them out of their comfort zone. They can get us out of their comfort zone and try to balance that a little bit. You know, I think, I think that's a conflict for me is between understanding Every kids have not changed, right? You know, right. generations change. Sure. You, you know, what I mean, and, and so things things just change, and, and things, you know, it doesn't make it good or bad; it just makes it different. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I I always struggle with is, you know, do you meet them halfway in technology, or do we force them to put their phones away? Mm-hmm. You know, and what I found as both are correct. You know, you have to find that balance, and, and we have we have one rule: there's no cell phones allowed to lock. Okay. No cell phones allow the team at, at, at team meals. Okay. But at the same time, I've quit fighting about earrings at times. And I've quit fighting about, you know, uh, on the bus with Sharon's and, and things like that. So you have to, it's it's a push to take. Yes, there's times where I want them to put their phones down and I want them to sit at the table, eat a meal, and talk to each other mm-hmm. and, and really find things out about each other. And then there's other times, like you said, I'm using my phone to connect with them. Yeah. You, you know, here is something that I saw on Twitter. This relates to you. Boom. Send it off to them and, and they're sliding to their DMs. You know, <laughs> yeah. you well, know? And, and so I think I think you have to walk that tightrope as, as an older coach. You're trying to figure that out. Um, but the fact is the young people, they want to relate. No matter what, you still want a relationship with you. They still want to be led. They still want to get better. 
you got to keep that in mind. Oh, definitely. And that is something that probably won't ever change Never with change. kids. Well, Coach, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I would like to just kind of open it up and, and ask you, you know, we're here at the first annual VBCA, and I, this has been an awesome event Great. so far. Cool. And I think it, it will only get better as, as time goes on. But is there anything that you'd like to, you know, tell our listeners on the podcast or tell our VBCA members right here? You know, I, I think if, if your state or if your region has something like this, Go, mm-hmm. go. The the mix between newer coaches, older coaches, styles. You know, again, I think everybody's right, and and you know, the, I, I I follow so many new young coaches have so much data and have so much information out there, and I and I would just tell every old every older coach like me, listen to those guys, give them a, give an give them an opportunity to speak. They know what they're talking about. Interact with those guys. They, they have information that we never dreamed of. Mm-hmm. Flip side, all those young guys out there. While you were while you were in school getting smart, that old coach wasn't out here getting dumb either. You right. know, and yeah. those guys, those guys sure. have that experience to learn right. from them as well. If you have something like this that you can join, do it because it's it's um, it is by far, I think, for me, the most re- one of the most rewarding parts of our business is being able to learn and. And connect and and sell. Like today, the biggest thing that I'm I'm thankful for is I get to represent the 35 guys in our program and and, and our alumni. You know, and in that I'm I'm very humbled to be able to do that. I'm, I'm humbled to stand up here for VCU. So to be able to, to sell your brand and your product and learn from so many great coaches is um you know you have to do it. You have to join as many of these things as you can and and um keep learning because I tell you what this game in the last five years I think. I've probably learned more about the game in the last five years than I did in my first 30 years. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's funny. Yeah. So, so continue to push the envelope and just continue to keep learning. Well, Coach, it's been a pleasure today and it's best of luck awesome. this season. Thank you for And you our uh, Twitter listeners, <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks again, Coach. Appreciate Thank it. You, Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.